welcome to the Bread, Wine, and Everything Fine podcast, where I'll be talking about all things food, the finer things, and things that are fine just the way they are. I'm your host, Sanja Toth, a bread and wine-loving photographer, wife, and mother who loves gathering people in my home to eat good food and have good conversation. I learn so much from the people I get to talk to, and I'm very excited to start sharing some of those conversations here on this podcast. You guys! We're back for another season, and I am so excited for what is to come. A huge thank you to all of you who listened along through season one and who are back for another round. I have lined up a list of incredible guests for you. Some are small business owners navigating the hospitality industry during this strange time. Some are wonderful humans who are simply passionate about food and gathering people around the table. Also, just a heads up, most of the audio isn't going to be as clear as it was in the first season given that we can't meet in person, but I promise you that the conversations are quality and worth sticking around for. And that brings me to my first guest for the season. She is a food blogger turned chef turned cream puff queen, and I feel tremendously lucky that I live in the same city where her treats are available. Carly is the founder of Creme Cream Puffs, and on this episode, she tells the story about how she went from blogging in Hong Kong to inventing cream puff flavors. We talk about where she finds inspiration, what her big dreams are, and what the future looks like for her business. So let's dive in. Well, hello, Carly. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? You know what? It has been a bit of a strange time. Um, But I am so excited to be talking to you today because I think, A, it's giving me something to do apart from hang out with my toddler, which is so nice. (laughs) I get to have, oh, and I guess my husband is home too, but um, I treasure these adult conversations very much. And we're kind of adapting. Like normally I would love to have you in my home and we'd have wine and treats and sit on my couches, but um, given the situation that is not possible. So thank you for making this happen of and course. working with technology and figuring it all out. <laughs> of and, course. Yeah. And being patient. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you. There are a few people who brought you to my attention, um, over the past probably year. So obviously I follow monogram. I saw that you were, um, yeah. your cream puffs were going to be in their cafes. Yeah. And then a friend of mine from the lower mainland texted me, uh, with a, a screenshot, I think of your Instagram <laughs> and we're like, have you had these yet? You need to have these. And then, um, we also had a client meeting with a couple and they didn't end up booking us, but we did have a meeting with them and I'm trying to remember their names, but somehow the podcast came up and they were like, you need to interview our friend. She's making cream puffs. And I was like, okay, so enough signs led me to you. And then (laughs) I saw you at Market Collective Yeah, and I had had, no, up until that point, I hadn't had any of your treats, but I bought Mitchell a box because it was like, Christmas and he's obsessed with Christmas and we went through them so fast so fast (laughs) and then I was actually at Pearl and Dot with a friend for her dress appointment and it was the day that you had delivered the salted caramel ones yes um yes and oh my goodness they were so good (laughs) so I was actually looking at your assorted box the other day and I just I said to Mitchell I was like so let me just list these flavors off to you and I think it was matcha coffee or espresso Mm -hmm. salted caramel and creme brulee and those are literally every 
single one of his favorite flavors like that exists that he would go for ice cream or treats or whatever and he just looked at me like that is not possible so anyways it's perfectly fitting I think that we're we're chatting today yeah and I would just honestly like we've chatted briefly at Market Collective but for listeners who don't know what you do and kind of how this began could you just tell me a little bit about yeah how you started specifically cream puffs yeah. or where that came from and kind of what that looks like for you. Absolutely. I'd love to hear more. Absolutely. So yeah, it's such a funny story because I get asked this all the time as if oh, I you had do. <laughs> like an intention of starting like a full cream puff business specifically. Right. And it's so funny how that stuff kind of um, like works itself out. It's like you begin like a little kind of project and before you know it, it's like, oh, am I going in this direction? So yeah. like a bit of a history on that. Um, so I did my culinary and pastry training. I lived, I was in London, England. I studied at Le Cordon Bleu. And, um, oh my goodness. So yeah. you were like a, le- you were legit. Yeah. So I did my, I did my full <laughs> training, which was honestly so much fun. Um And then I worked in a Michelin star restaurant when I finished. And one of my jobs there was making cream puffs every day. And at the time, like it wasn't something that I had like put much thought in. It was just like one of the hundred things on my list that needed to be done and prepped every day. So I was, I was there for a little while. I kind of found the restaurant scene wasn't a fit for me. I mean, as you can imagine, a Michelin star restaurant is is pretty intense. There's yes. so much learning. Like you get thrown in the deep end. Like your skills get so refined and so challenged. Um, but there's not a lot of life outside of the restaurant. And so, yeah. I and what of, was your role? What was your role like? Was there like a title, or was it more of yeah? So I was what what they call a demi chef. Okay. Um, and so I worked on a number of different stations. I started on like cold starters. And then from there, I did a bit on the pastry section. And then eventually I took on the role of um, running the garnish station, which is like every accompaniment to the protein of the main dishes going out. So if we're making fresh pasta, vegetable purees, like any of that sort of stuff falls all under the garnish category. I see. Um, so it was a lot of like jumping around station to station, but mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of learning. And I just kind of took a step back and was like, you know what, I think I'm ready to move back to Canada and kind of see what's next for me. I was pretty burnt out from yes. the restaurant lifestyle. So literally I moved home. I had no plan of what I was going to do next. I didn't think I wanted to step back into a restaurant, but I had always loved food. Like, yeah. um, prior to culinary school, I had actually started a food blog and that's what I was doing. I was living overseas in Asia teaching English and I was like blogging about restaurants I would go to. And I loved doing that. That was like such a release for me. Yeah. And, um, that was kind of like my stepping stone to even do culinary school. Cause I was like, I want to be working in like food full time. Not sure what that looks like right now, but I knew that that was kind of a step in that direction. Sorry, so I know I'm going a long way. No, no, no. This is so interesting to me. To the cream puff situation. But yeah, so once I moved home, I took some time off and just was kind of like sitting with what I was going to do next. And one of my kind of hobbies was like testing recipes. And I thought about submitting them to different magazines and see if I could get published and kind of get my foot in the door with a food magazine of some sort. And so I started testing these pumpkin spice cream puffs. And I'd taken them over to a friend's house and she was like, 
I would never use that recipe. Like that's beyond complicated. I don't know why. Like, I don't think people would use that. She's like, but I would love to place an order. Like you should be selling these. And so I was like, oh, like I'm not, I'm not working right now. I could see if anyone would be interested in placing an order. It was a few weeks before Thanksgiving. And so I just kind of put it out on Instagram and like, I had so many people inquiring about them and I was like, okay, is this a thing? <laughs> like I had to like step back and kind of assess is well, this up something until, that people would be interested in? Up until I saw them, like when Monogram posted it, I will be honest, I was like cream puffs. Like, you know, I think my perception of cream puffs is like those little ones you buy in bulk that are like from Costco or whatever yeah. that people have at like little luncheons. You know, totally. like totally. that, that's 100% my perception. And so they looked so incredible. And so even just like the visual blew my mind and kind of opened my eyes to this possibility of them being like elevated in some way. So, right. yes. Right. Yeah. Anyways, continue. And no, for sure. And so from that time, um, I literally had the one flavor. I had pumpkin spice and that was it. And every person that had tried them was like, why aren't you selling these? And so I started reaching out to cafes and restaurants and seeing if they'd be interested in carrying them and was dropping off samples to see if they would get picked up. And fortunately that I I got picked up with Monogram. And actually our first meeting, I only had my pumpkin flavor and I sat down and he was like, these are great. Thanksgiving's next week. I don't want pumpkin. Can you bring me other flavors? And I was like, (laughs) okay. I was like, I will be back. And then I just like got in my kitchen and was testing. And I came back to him with my four classics, which was the creme brulee, salted caramel, coffee and matcha. And um, it just went from there. And season to season, I I felt like, okay, what am I going to do for Christmas? Okay, Christmas is out of the way. What's What's coming up next? Okay, we have Lunar New Year and we have Valentine's Day. And it was so much fun to just like design flavors that I would want to eat for of those course. seasons. Like it was like, oh, what does Christmas mean to me? It means like eggnog, gingerbread, Bailey's hot chocolate, dark chocolate candy cane. Yeah. And would just like go on those kind of tangents of testing and trying and um, seeing what people were responding to. Did you find so like, so they got into Monogram um, mm-hmm. and I have seen them, I feel like other places. Like, are mm-hmm. you supplying other places as well? You don't have to list them all, but um, no, for it, sure. it seems to have picked up. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of in and out of a bunch of different places. So Monogram is kind of my main, my okay. main place that, that carries them the most consistently. Um, I work with Broken Yoke on and off. They carry them more so now for events and right. like parties and things like that. Now that they have their third location. Right. And then I also work with Distilled. Um, oh, cool! In Marta Loop, yeah. yeah. So those have kind of been my three, my three main spots, and um, and then I just do like a lot of like event based. So if people are doing like corporate parties or people are doing um, some sort of gathering or mm-hmm. pop up or things like that, then I end up getting a lot of kind of inquiries for that sort of thing as well. 
Well, this is, this is so cool. And I understood that it wasn't the primary goal at the start, (laughs) but I think it's so amazing. And I love that piece of it too, that, that creative and very personal piece. And I think people connect to that. Like I think consumers do connect to that. I'm excited because I think those flavors, even at Christmas time are nostalgic for me. And so it's like, I'm connecting with them. I'm excited to share them. And you're so right. It is not something I would probably choose to make on my own at home. Like I have, I enjoy baking. I enjoy cooking, but I have kind of like the most ambitious thing that I've ever made is a croissant. Like I'll make a batch of croissant like very rarely. And it's so finicky. Which is a big undertaking. It is. like, that's a good one. If that's the hardest thing you've made, I'm very impressed. Well, it kind of goes from like, you know, like shortbread to croissants. Like there's not yeah. much in between. Um, yeah. But no, I, that's fair. But having like the cream, it's so impressive. And so I think that it's just this beautiful little niche that you found yourself in and are doing such an amazing job. And actually, that's one of my questions. I was going to ask you where you come up with these flavors because they are so seasonally appropriate, but not just like colored you know I think sometimes it's like oh it's you know St. Patrick's Day so we're gonna do green but yours like you did the um, Lucky Charms yeah like oh my gosh they looked so good thank you (laughs) yeah so is it mostly just kind of from personal or do you kind of pull your friends and family or how yeah how, how do you come up with all of this Oh man, do you know what? I have like a little notebook that I'll, if I ever like have flavors kind of come to mind, I just like jot them down there and it's like a to come back to at some point when I'm testing, like I'll be like, oh my gosh, I, I need to be trying like key lime pie. Okay. That's like on the list to try at some point, or I'll see like desserts or um, like candy or chocolate bars or things like that, that I really love. And I like tie to a season and kind of go from there. Like majority of it, I just kind of like, I think of like, okay, what's a in season if I'm going to do like a fruit base of Mm -hmm. some sort. Otherwise it's like, okay, what do I like eating during (laughs) this holiday? (laughs) (laughs) Or what is like a traditional food? eaten during this holiday yes and I kind of just like build from there and some combinations I've pulled from seeing at other like from some of the kind of pastry shops and stuff I follow from Europe I kind of see some of their kind of flavor combos and I'll go oh that would be that would be good in a cream puff like yeah let's try that that is so and, fun. And yeah. I, I love that it's such a creative process. So actually, the episode that I just recorded yesterday was with Jill Hoff from Monogram. Oh, nice. Oh, and cool. um, so we were talking specifically about coffee, but we were just talking about how just like the process for her of going into a competition is so, it's such a creative process. Like it's so personal and, right. and it's never ending. Like there's, there are almost limitless possibilities for like the specialty coffee that she could come up with. And I think the same goes for something like cream puffs. It's like actually limitless possibilities. Would you say there have been, um, certain flavors that have been like, you can never not make them? And have there been some that maybe just weren't as like well received as maybe you would, you would love it, but maybe it didn't like connect with someone else. Right. Right. Um, probably like of my classic flavors, the one that is hands down the most popular is creme brulee for sure. That one, if I got rid of that, I would have customers not happy with me. (laughs) I don't, I don't blame them. 
I, I love creme brulee. Yeah. I do too. Oh my gosh. It's just a classic, right? Like of the seasonal ones, I'm trying to think what would be like my most popular. Mini egg is is quite popular. I think people yes. just love anything cute and Easter and seasonal. So mini egg is has been a winner and creme brulee. Mini egg is a winner. Yes. And actually one of the ones that surprised me the most um, for Lunar New Year, I did a dark chocolate and red bean. And it's like oh, it's like a yeah. red crust with with a gold flake on top, and that one I get asked about that flavor all the time, and I think it is a great flavor. It was that was one of the ones that I just like. I knew red bean was like traditionally used in desserts during that yes. time, and I personally I'm not a huge red bean fan, and I know people either kind of love it or hate it. Yeah. Um. So I was trying to make it like more. No, I don't want to say palatable, but more like friendly for people the that masses. like. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that one, it's it's so funny. Like it, it would be one I would consider maybe putting on the menu full time. But I do, I do like kind of having those items where you have to buy it within a window. You know. Yes, I mean? and then the novelty, and then you can have annual traditions. Totally. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, totally. No, I yeah. think that's so great. And then what about ones that maybe didn't connect yeah. as well? I'm trying to think. Or um, were there any? <laughs> maybe there aren't. Do you know what? Last year, and maybe it was just like the window, um, the cereal milk ones didn't do as well as I thought they would. And I think it March in general is just kind of a an off season maybe. Like in February yeah. you have Valentine's Day and, and you're like buying treats for someone. And I don't know if people just didn't have – as many events that they were going to, but I loved the cereal milk and I was like, why are people not connecting with it? And sometimes I wonder too, if people are sensitive of like the food coloring that that's used in it. I know some people don't love that kind of thing. So I do try. But I of- think like cereal milk is like generally quite a popular flavor. Like yeah. we definitely will trek down to the 17th location of made by Marcus to get their cereal milk soft serve. Yeah. Or like, um, like even thinking of, oh, what's her name? Christine um, from Milk Bar, like in yes. New York. Yeah. Like, and it started because of cereal milk. Like that's where it began. And that was like this whole, and I don't think it was just a fad. I think it's nostalgic totally in that, like we grew up with cereal milk. Like yes, yes, it's our childhood. So that's interesting to me that that one didn't maybe stick as much. And maybe at this time of year, it's hard to know. Maybe post Valentine's Day, everyone's like, I've just had all the treats. Totally. Totally. I know. So it's it's interesting. I always kind of like see what people are drawn towards too and you can always Mm -hmm. tell too at the markets when you have your assorted boxes like what are the flavors that go the fastest Mm -hmm. you you instantly know it's like okay maybe people aren't as into this flavor as I thought they would be but right and so do you do markets too I don't do any of the farmers markets at this point I'm just kind of do I just kind of do the loop of like little modern market market collective or kind of my main my main Mm -hmm. two that I find is the right demographic for my stuff it is just you, right? Yeah. That you're doing all of the back behind the scenes work. Yeah. So it's a lot of a lot of behind the scenes prep and managing and I mean markets are really great and great um, exposure and getting people sampling, but it's it's a ton of of pre prep. But I, I do love doing them. It's always nice to get out and just kind of meet new people, especially when you're all order based. 
you don't, yes. you don't get to do that as much. But Oh, I understand. Not the order-based part, but just the being kind of working solo and being alone. <laughs> and then, yes. Like for myself, yes. I get to go out and shoot a wedding or go to an event and it's like, oh, people. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. It's so true. It's like, okay, I need to calm down. It's like getting too excited around people after not seeing people all week. What would you say? So moving forward as a business, because you've been in business now for, well, it's been over a year. Yeah. A year and a half now. A year and a half. Yeah. Are there any big goals or are things just kind of going the way you'd like them to be going? What kind of are the big dreams? Because obviously you've worked at a Michelin star restaurant. You've um, you know, been trained and you've had experience and done the food blogging thing. Like, yeah. What, what does the future look like for you? Yeah. Um, you know, I would love, I would love to have my own kind of pastry shop. Um, that would, that would I be would a love that dream. too. Yeah, yeah. I think I just have like a dream of having like a beautifully filled pastry case and, um, just having that creative outlet to be able to serve people beyond, my capacity right now mm-hmm. I think that would be that's definitely definitely on the list um I mean I'd love down the road to write a cookbook that's that's on the oh big the big goals and I like list. that and yeah. I love that you're willing to say it out loud because I think sometimes people carry dreams so tightly and right. I think that it's good but I think there's something so beautiful about speaking it out loud and then you kind of have to own it Totally. Totally. It's so true. Hey, like you do have to keep kind of your goals and your, and your dreams in sight. You know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. even telling people, it's like, it's reminding myself that at some point I'm going to make that happen. You know what I mean? I'm so excited for that day. That's so, so amazing. (laughs) But I think you actually, you have like experience that I think a lot, no offense. I think a lot of people who write cookbooks it's they're wonderful and maybe their family recipes and whatever but I think to have to come from the experience that you do and like right. quite a variety yeah. of experience and it's not just all one thing I think totally. it would be very cool and the fact yeah. that you were developing recipes and that's how this came to be right like you're right you're good yeah. oh my goodness yeah. I want you to have a pastry case and I, do, yeah, <laughs> I know I can just see it I love it <laughs> So what does that, what does that mean for you in terms of like research and development? Like, cause obviously you're running, um, a successful cream puff business, but when do you, or are you able to take time and like create in a way that isn't just pursuing cream puffs? Do you know what? That's a good, that's a good question. Like in terms, do you mean in terms of like remaining creative in my job? Is that what yeah, you mean? Outside, yeah. So like, yeah. Do you ever find that you can carve out space to create and um, maybe experiment with other recipes that aren't cream puffs? Like, do you ever find yourself making space for that? Or is it just kind of really busy with the business you have going right now? Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard balance for sure. And I definitely feel the effects of like, it's so hard to grow and scale your business when you're the one that's in the trenches running the business you know what I mean and um I definitely I do try and like build that time in if I can it doesn't it definitely doesn't happen as much as I would like it to I mean a lot of it actually comes when I get customers coming to me with like hey could you make 
like this kind of cake happen with this and they kind of like bring a vision to me and I'm like cool it's like saying yes to that and then forcing yourself to make the time you know what yes. I mean like a lot of the kind of development has come from those situations too where it's just like okay well I need to figure this out by this date yep. because I've committed to doing it. Yes. Whether that's like but, the right way to do it or not, I'm not sure because it does. But I think the fact stressful. that you you respond to that and you do something with it, I think for some people that would be paralyzing. But the fact that you are able to take it and channel it and then right. make it happen. Like I even think about with Monogram, like, okay, cool. Pumpkin spice is great until next week, but I need something different. Right. I think right. that that's so cool that you were like, all right. I'm going to do it. And they're killer. So <laughs> obviously it worked. Right. No, I just think it's so interesting. And I love when people find things that, that just fit. And I'm realizing maybe I just think it's rare that people are finding things that they love and are passionate about and are creating businesses that are successful out of those things. Maybe it's not as rare as I think, right. um, but it excites me when I yeah. see people being like, yeah, this is something that I'm actually very good at something I'm actually very interested in. You're not always good at something that you enjoy or vice right. versa. Right. And so, and that it's working and you found a demand in a city yeah, <laughs> and it's working. And so I think that's worth celebrating. And I hope that, yeah, you don't take these questions and think that I'm trying to like move you forward faster because I think no, the no. pace that you're going at is so amazing. And it's just, I think exciting. I'm definitely goal oriented and yeah, me too. I love, I love dreaming a little bit. Sometimes yeah. it keeps me up at night, even oh, though I totally. know it's not realistic today. Right. Um, but I love those big dreams right. about like, a pastry case yeah. and a cookbook. Yeah, you have, to, so you have to like keep it in your in your vision for sure. And I love now even kind of knowing more about where you trained and where you're finding your inspiration. Personally, Mitchell and I, when we travel, it's usually to eat. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> we are not very touristy in like the sites. Um, we like we kind of travel slowly like slow mornings good coffee and then it's usually like where are we gonna have lunch what's one thing we can see today and then where are we gonna have dinner that's kind of like the process of each day and so I but even for me like thinking about flavors and you know when you think about like food that's nostalgic yes I think there's childhood but I think it's also like places that you have been food you have experienced and so for you obviously you trained overseas and you worked overseas but when you travel where you like even in Southeast Asia what are some of the most memorable or like notable meals or food experiences that you've ever had that's a good question oh man um, because I'm sure they, I'm sure they influence like the flavors that you're creating now. Oh, totally. Totally. Um, yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, whenever I traveled that, that was absolutely the main focus was yeah. where are we eating? What time? And how many <laughs> yes. meals can we fit in the day? Yeah. Um, oh, that's such a good question. Um, I mean, Hong Kong in itself, Hong Kong was where I was actually living. Okay. It is just like the food is overwhelming. It's so amazing from street food to restaurants. There's just so many things that you just like are constantly inspired by. One of, one of my favorite things that I think I ate living in Hong Kong was a pineapple bun. I'm not sure if you've had one before, but it's, um, no, I haven't. It's a Chinese pastry. And it, a lot of people have said that my cream puffs remind them of that. It's, it's like a soft kind of dinner roll. 
and it's like chewy in the middle, but it's baked with like what's similar to the crusts that I put on top of my cream puffs with the kind of crunchy topping, um, yeah. sugary, like kind of cookie-esque. And it's served literally, it's cut warm with like a big thick slab of butter. And it's like, oh my goodness, that sounds amazing. It's so good. Carbs and butter. Carbs and butter. And it's like a little bit sweet, just like the chewy, like fresh bread feel. That is probably one of my favorite things that I ate. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Because I think so often people attribute like food experiences maybe less to, um, yeah, maybe I think more people attribute their kind of excellent food experiences to like restaurants or like high end restaurants as opposed to like this, you know, very specific item that was special to you in this time and this is why so I love that yeah you're gonna have to have one I think there's some some bakeries in China Chinatown that sell them okay and they are so they are so good when you get a good one I will make a note of this in my notebook (laughs) that is not for (laughs) not for cream puff flavors just my ideas and then do you think you would ever like want to grow your team or is it just kind of has it made sense to be you right now Yeah, no, I would, I would love to grow my team. I mean, I love, I really do love all aspects of running my business besides like the financial side of things and the accounting side would love to, uh, you know, give that off to someone else, but that's, that's another story. Yes. (laughs) Um, but I really, I really do love like the marketing side of it and you do a great job, honestly. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I love like digging into that sort of things because I feel like it's, it's, where I kind of decide how do I want my, my brand and my business to be portrayed to everyone. Yeah. And I love, like, I love creating of that. I love like creating visual appeal to people and I would love to be able to be a little less hands-on in in the, in the actual like production day to day and to be able to have a team that like I have trained and I know is able to take on all of that. To be able to just focus on kind of scaling a bit more. So before we started recording, you and I were kind of, we were just chatting a little bit about um, the implications of COVID-19 and small businesses kind of having to close down. And and I think both Mitchell and I have talked about how as small business owners ourselves, it is encouraging to see how people are stepping up and innovating in the face of a whole lot of uncertainty. It is also heartbreaking right. to see the businesses that have had to close and yes. where it is um, much more devastating. Um, but I think even for you, like you're having to adapt and figure it out right. as you go. Right. So you're doing curbside pickups right now. Yeah, I'm doing everything curbside and completely contactless. Very good. Um, so everything is prepaid for pickups. Amazing. And like, I just ask people like, give me a call or a text when you're on your way and I'll put your order out we have a little table for pickups just out front and yeah so actually it's been so encouraging to see how people have responded to that the amount of messages that I've got in this last week of people who have picked up who have dropped off at friends house who are quarantined who have dropped off at like their grandma's house and things like that or just like placed an order for themselves because they were feeling down like so many messages like you have no idea how much joy that box brought to our house and Cause you know, you, you struggle too. Like, it's like, what is the right move right now for me and my business? Is it practical to keep producing? And you know what? I kind of like had to sit and weigh my way through it. And 
I'm like, I work by myself. I have no contact with any other people. And if I can keep producing and brightening people's day in this like super uncertain time, yeah. if I can give people an option of, hey, I can get a treat without having to walk in a grocery store with yes. X amount of other people. I'm like, you know what? I think that's like, that it's really feeling like, no, this is my purpose right now to be like an option for people yes. and to just keep showing up saying like, Hey, I'm here. I'm, I'm ready to serve you if I can. And if you, if you are interested, like you are so right. It is absolutely a little joyful treat in this time. Yeah. So I have, okay. So I end each episode with two questions. Okay. And normally, so this season I am chatting actually with a lot a lot more small businesses than the previous season, which was a lot of home cooks and parents and people, mm-hmm. you know, who do a lot of home cooking with their kids or whatever. Yeah. So those questions were very much based on what do they order when they go out to eat and what is okay. like their go-to meal when they are at home. But in this case, you are very specialized in cream puffs and pastries. So when you are just out to so say you were in London or say you were somewhere in Europe, what would be the pastry that you would be like beelining for if someone else Ooh. was making it? And if you were going to make something for someone at home that wasn't a cream puff, what yeah. would it be? Oh, okay. I love it. Um, okay. I think my go-to pastry would be an almond croissant. Oh my gosh. I Have you had butter will... blocks? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I am obsessed. I'm obsessed. I, I literally, when I'll go and do my drop-offs at Monogram and then I'll drive to her shop and like get a box. Yes. 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 Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> now that I've done my work, I'm taking a treat home for me. Um, and Karen's awesome too. She's such a sweetheart. Yes. And okay. Um, what would I make for someone else? That wasn't a good you know I, I would probably make a really delicious cookie. Okay. What, like what kind of cookie? My, my kind of go-to cookie. It's like, it's a knock, not a, I don't want to say a knockoff, but we call them Mrs. Fields cookies. Okay. And, um, they're oatmeal chocolate chip and oh. they are just like our absolute cookie staple. And I made them the other week with crushed mini eggs in them oh my gosh. instead of just chocolate chips. Oh, uh, well actually in addition to chocolate yes. chips. Yes. And they were so good. I just don't think a good, fresh, gooey cookie, it's hard to beat. Yeah, I agree. I really agree. I actually this week, I um, was trying to be... Okay, so I talked about croissants being as ambitious as I get. There are some cookies that I make that I follow a recipe, so it's not like my brilliant idea or anything, but, um, they (laughs) take so long to make. Um, they have baker's chocolate in them, like chunks. And then they, I think the batch makes 10 cookies. They're giant, but you freeze them for like the 15 minutes and it's just two cookies on a tray at a time. And then at the 10 minute mark, you lift the pan like four inches and you drop them and it makes a ripple and then you wait two minutes and you pick it up and you drop it and it's another ripple. And so the outside gets super crispy and the inside is super chewy and chocolatey. Oh. They take oh so God. long. Like drooling over here. Like two, two and a half hours for like 10 cookies. So like really is it efficient? Probably not. <laughs> but someone, a dear friend of mine made them for me when I was pregnant. And then just before Lewis was born, I was nesting and baking. And so I made them then. And so it's been like 
18 months since I made them last. So I thought it was about time and I made them this week. And you're so right. There's something about just like a delicious, warm, chewy cookie. So good. And the process of having your dough to kind of nibble on Mm -hmm. while you're making it. Oh, yes. It's just, it's a win-win. It is a (laughs) win-win. Oh, I love that so much. And it has just been so much fun for me to hear these pieces of your story and kind of how it's all come together and some of these dreams. It's really, I mean, this podcast was something that, I mean, it's not something I make any money off of. It's purely a passion project. But for me, it's so fun to have conversations with people that honestly, I probably wouldn't have this in depth of a chat with to learn more about what they're doing. And it inspires me. And then I obviously don't want to open a patisserie or a bake, but to, (laughs) (laughs) but I have dreams of my own. And I think hearing people talk about the things that they want to do and that they're pursuing, it's, yeah, it's inspiring for me. And I usually sign off and I go sit down with Mitchell. And in this case, I'll probably grab my bag of um, Hershey's semi-sweet chocolate chips because it's the only sweet thing I have in my house. (laughs) And I will sit down next to him and just be like, ah, she's doing such cool things. And I'll probably stay awake at night a little bit just because it's like, it's exciting to know that people are kind of pursuing these things. So I really, really appreciate it. And I, I wish you all the best as you figure out what the next few months as the world is changing yeah. looks like for you. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. It was so fun to chat and just get into it. I always love talking food. And uh, it's fun to talk to someone who's a big fan of food as well. Oh, yes. I love Definitely it. Definitely a big fan of food. Yes. Yeah. This is why I chose this theme for the podcast. I love I it. Like, it's, this is it's good so for good. Me. Well, so Mitchell good. and I will have to order an assorted box because at least we know they're not going anywhere, these flavors that we love so not. much. They are not um, going anywhere. And yes, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, isn't she wonderful? Following this recording, I ordered a dozen assorted cream puffs for curbside pickup, and it was so hard not to eat them all at once. I would consider that a pretty great start to season two of the Bread, Wine, and Everything Fine podcast. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, click that subscribe button and you will never miss an episode.